Hello, everybody. Welcome to the No Breaking Podcast, uh, the show where we talk to folks in the automotive industry or around the throes of the automotive industry to get their take on things and, and just try and introduce them to you, you listeners out there who enjoy the show, leave very positive reviews, five stars at least, say some nice words about us, you guys listen, so thanks, thanks for that. But today, we've got a guest that sort of demanded to come back. Uh, would you say that's true, Mr. Michael Cole? It was, it was a soft demand. Uh, a, a very hard. Every time I see you, it's James. When can I come back? I'm white. But otherwise, you should know him as the Hollywood mechanic. But, Michael, it's, it's lovely to have you back. Lovely Thank to have race service here, obviously, open up the floor to us. That's right. Uh, so that's very nice. And lovely to have Dom looking very diligent at this point in time. He's, he's, I've done my job and worn him out today, so. Yeah. It's good. So. Where did you want to start well, on uh, your journey? I just really, um, the last time we talked about all the successes, I guess, that brought me to where I am. Yeah. And uh, I, I think, honestly, most of my life has been quite the opposite. Failures that got me to where I am. And I, I was hoping um, to kind of go over some of those things and explain maybe the real nitty-gritty of, of getting to where I am now. That's, look, I mean, challenge and failures, that's, they're really important, and especially for some of our listeners who do think that even me, it just comes in, everything's so smooth, it sometimes doesn't often work that way. Oh, you make it look so easy. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I, it's not me, really, that makes it look so easy, it's Kiwi that makes everything uh. that makes look so easy, but when I don't have Kiwi, then it's all, it's all sixes and sevens, who knows what's going to happen. <laughs> But anyway, so where do you want to start? I mean, obviously the listeners can hear about your journey from where you came from, how you got to L.A. Sure. and whatnot. But then where, where is it that you really want to touch on sort of talking about some of those areas that, that really impacted you on this side? Well, I think it, I don't need to necessarily go into direct um, like a timeline of what happened. I think what is more important for me to share are the lessons that I've learned along that route. Um, but there are a few things in my life that I definitely want to bring up. Um, but uh, the things that I feel like need to be said mostly are, are uh, what to do or how to handle failure. Mm-hmm. Um, we talk a lot about, you know, if you fail, just keep going. But it's a lot more complicated than that. Yeah, and sometimes it's never quite as easy to just do that. No, I agree. But it's extremely important. Mm-hmm. Um, Albert Einstein is one of my heroes in... I think one of many people's heroes, I guess, but, and he said, uh, if you never make a mistake, you've never tried anything new. Yep. So he understood the value of what I'm calling failure, but he didn't call it failure. He actually also said, you never fail until you stop trying, um, which is extremely important uh, to me, um, just not giving up and, and getting the mindset that you can move forward no matter how bad it is. Uh, and I've definitely been as bad as it as it as it gets in several areas of my life, um, and so I know there's a lot of good people out there that are just great, and this is not going to apply to. They've got a very balanced mindset, and they've got the right perspective. But just in case there's someone who is like, uh, "Hey, I really want to do something great. I want to work for Lamborghini. I want to build cool cars." Um, no matter where you're at in your life, you can get to whatever you feel you're passionate about doing. Um, yeah, and I mean that's one thing that obviously that, that I try that we try and do in the podcast here is try and give those people some of those listeners that that like to hear how people get their story started or how things go and and you obviously talking about your story now and coming into like the second part of it so to speak of 
letting them know that even if some things don't always go their way, then you can still work through it. There's always options, right? Right. All right, so um, just so let's go back then, I guess, to, um, I'll just do a brief of some of the failures, I guess. What, what started it off for me was um, I had a kind of traumatic uh, early childhood, and it, it set into motion these um, mental distresses that we can go over, but the main one just being a, a depression that was uh, pretty deep, and it affected everything that, um, that I did from there until later, much later in life. Um, my parents uh, became missionaries to Slovakia. I believe I mentioned that the last time. And, um, and so my dad's uh, perspective on life was just totally God-focused. And, um, and it, was, uh, it was extremely zealous. That, and it's, it, it doesn't mean you can't be overzealous mm -hmm. about God necessarily. But some of the things that I guess some of the approaches that he took to getting me help for that depression may not have been the most scientific approach to it. And so it, it compounded. And it also added to uh, um, other feelings. Like one thing that we struggled with was, you know, our testimony as a missionary. Is, it's a Christian or a religious term of what other people think of you, of your godliness, mm -hmm. or say. But it's not far from what we all deal with in, our, in what we think our peers should think of us. Um, and then uh, as a result of that, you know, focus on what other people think, I think I developed like a, just a, a propensity to maybe lying. Okay. Um, and then all of this is just making the depression worse and eventually led to a, a medication of that, a, a pacification of ourselves. Yeah. You know? Um, which is something we've evolved to do. I mean, like, if you've ever studied body language, you people cover their throats or have their tells because they're pacifying themselves from being, you know, in a stress. stress. So it's not unusual, but um, it's something that I think as humans, you know, we became aware of ourselves and we need to become aware of our own pacifications and how to handle those things. Yeah. So later in life, um, I wanted to be a pilot in the Navy. And that was my dream, and I collected all these books uh, about planes. I, the, like National Geographic at a time had a subscription. They mm -hmm. had them for animals and planes and cars, and they would send you monthly pages that you would add to the book, and then you could – I had like three books on jets. I, I loved jets. Um, I still loved cars, but that was my focus. And when I was um, – Was there anything that sort of sparked off that interest then in, into the jets and the aeronautics? Um, I think – I always loved speed, you know, from like when I was riding quads as a kid, I just loved speed. And uh, the first thing I ever remember, I, I remember my mother swears I drew the best helicopter she's ever seen a three-year-old draw, but I swear I remember cheating and tracing it out of like the book and be like, look what I did. Uh, but she's like, no way you could have done that. And But I mean, I, I, I just loved like speed and thrill and, and adrenaline and planes became that. I was always playing simulators. Um, and then eventually I pursued that. My family kind of helped me due to the missionary background and getting ahead in school um, and some extracurricular uh, achievements. I got nominated by Congressman Richard Burr to go to the Naval Academy when okay. I was 16. And I was very excited about it. He said, you know, you're, you'll be 17 next year. You have to be 17 to go to plebe summer and become a midshipman. 
so we're going to give you the nomination now, and next year you continue with your schooling, and we'll give you the appointment. And um, I was very excited about that. I got a plaque at home with it. It's very proud. Uh, but yeah, oh, and look, that's no small feat in itself, that one. Right. And I, I was imagine there's some uh, some work on your part to go through with that and to get something like that done. Oh, definitely. I mean, I had to go to so many, like, training. We Every weekend in high school, there would be, like, these training things where you could go and ask questions from uh, uh, commissioned officers who had gone through the program and, and going and doing these tests to see where you're academically, you know, you were in. Um, so after I got nominated, uh, the my senior year of high school um, was when this happened, and in that summer I'd been accepted to the University of North Carolina, and I decided to go there uh, for that one year uh, in between. But a few, it was like two months before school started, my parents said, you know what, actually we want you to go to Bible school for one year, uh, or you can't, we're not going to release you to they were going back to Slovakia. We can't release you to live here by yourself mm -hmm. um, if you don't do what we say. And I had just felt like I had been in Bible school my whole life. You know, I'm like, what am I going to learn from? And I went to visit this school, and it was just terrifying. Like, men and women weren't allowed in the same room alone together, and men swam with T-shirts at the pool. Even though we swam at a different time than women, I was like, it was very intense. So I kind of put my foot down and said, I didn't know. I'll stay with my grandparents. I'll go to UNC. This is on path for what I want to do. Uh, and my dad said, well, then you can get emancipated. You could go to, to court and you can divorce us because that's the only way you're going to be able to do that. We're not giving you the right and we can't leave you here. Mm -hmm. And so that's what happened. I had two jobs at the time. I had a plan and the judge saw that plan and said, you know, I, I don't see a reason not to uh, let you go. Uh, so that's what I did. I got a little Murphy bed apartment in a little studio and uh, the plan was working okay uh, until... But, I mean, that in itself is, I mean, a massive undertaking. It was definitely intense. It was one day I was there and with my family and my brothers, and then the next day I was not. And, and I was too arrogant, really, to say, uh, ask for help, really. And I didn't know who to ask for help from. I mean, I moved to the U.S. I didn't have close friends. Um the ones that I did have, I'd been told I couldn't hang out with anymore because they didn't go to my Christian school. But I was a year younger than everyone else in my class in an extremely competitive uh, Christian school mm -hmm. where it was like this weird kid from Slovakia It's somehow able to play on our state championship soccer team even though he's never played with us. But, I mean, I grew up in Slovakia. We played every day. But yeah. it was not like the best team building, <laughs> I guess. But um, so... From there, I, I, the first semester trying to go to school, I just really didn't have the money because my car broke down at the time, and I was like really struggling to try to make ends meet and mm -hmm. make this all work. And so, I went to a recruiter and I showed him this, you know, plaque from Congressman Richard Burr, and like, hey, can you help me get into the military or to the Naval Academy? And he gave me the military entrance exam, the ASVAB, which I scored a 99 out of 99 possible points on. And so he saw dollar signs and was like, oh, you should go to the nuclear power program because that's where, you know, this, the toughest scholastic program in the country. And if you graduate from there, you'll go right to the academy with your nomination. But really, he just wanted the bonus of having a nuke tech graduate that he enlisted. Okay. That's how that basically works. And they their set quotas, but not only how many they have to recruit, but of what types of jobs. Oh. And the failure rate at nuclear power school is extremely high, so it's just rare to get someone who can go and actually wants to do it and complete it. 
Um, and you were pretty much open at that point to do anything. To at that point, done. I just want I, if I, he told me, you know, if you if you graduate, you'll have this amazing understanding of electrical engineering, and you, you you'll be proving, you'll be continuing this record that they've said has earned you a spot here. So I did that and mm-hmm. uh, graduated nuclear power school, and um, just kind of scary. It, I remember operating a reactor live, directly controlling it at 18 years old. I don't know if people realize how. Look, <laughs> I think now after the television series Chernobyl, everyone knows uh, how serious uh, nuclear reactors are right they're, now. They're letting these kids straight out of high school go in there and flip switches and stuff. But, yeah. No, they've got a great program. But um, I felt like when I graduated, I was sent to the fleet. I felt like it was a failure, and I was not getting to do what my dream was. And, of course, in the Navy, I was introduced to alcohol, which goes to that medication point i just felt great mm-hmm. everybody there was no stress or worry and i had not ever experienced anything like that before so it was a very difficult cycle to break and when i got out of the military i um was going to the university of alabama for like so how many years were you in the military for three, then three years okay after um, so that would have been from 17 to 20 then yep okay and then um when uh i i was offered an i was offered a general discharge under honorable conditions if i paid back my bonus um, which I was like, yeah, I'll pay that back. I, I don't want to be here, really. I, and I knew like a commercial electrician could make, you know, two hundred grand a year. So, again, chasing that money, and um, at that point, since I couldn't be a pilot, and so uh, what was it that took you away from being the pilot then? Well, after you go to the Naval Nuclear Power School, they they don't they're not going to let you do any. They've just invested a you know the money, so it's the focus. Your, sure, and you so it's the focus is just straight. You we've taught you this, so this is no. all you can do. There were 4,500 students in, in NPTC while I was there, and one of them got appointed to the Naval Academy from that group of enlisted students. Okay. Um, and he went on to be an a, um, engineer officer of the watch, who was a re- reactor op- supervisor, basically. From So he wasn't a pilot either. Mm-hmm. But it um, felt like a failure. The whole leaving the Navy, paying back the bonus, I, I kind of felt like I was taking a cheap failure way out. Um, I was look. I had felt like my parents had kind of disowned me due to failure, and so failure was just like constant. And uh, at some point, I just this depression that had never gone anywhere, exasperated by this medication and addiction to alcohol, just became like in uh, overwhelming. And yeah, and this is all still obviously happening while at a fairly young age. Let's very be honest here. But I mean, when you're young, like you don't understand that no. life's so long, and it's not about right now. Just it's the race that you're running, and at the same time, you feel like every year, every day that you get behind, you're just losing time that cannot be made up, you know, mm-hmm. and um, eventually it led to, like, a severe depressive state that caused me to not want to live anymore, and it was um, it was an unfortunate thing that, that I chose to do with myself. I chose to uh, drink as much antifreeze as I could drink, and I thought I could just, like, then drink alcohol and pass out, and then I would not wake up anymore. Um, and it's so funny how even in, like, that attempt, I was choosing automotive fluid to do this thing. But um, it's not a good idea. Don't do that. No, we would certainly strongly yeah, suggest do not. not to drink antifreeze. But um, it did. It, it, might, it might look like blue Powerade. Uh, but it might even it, taste good. But, but we strongly suggest not no. to drink it. But um, it did um, cause my kidneys to fail. Uh, the only reason I didn't die right away is because I was drinking so much alcohol afterwards and that kind of slowed the process due to the alcohol being in the kidneys and stopping the ethylene glycol from doing what it had to do and 
Um, three days later, I found myself in a hospital with, and I, I didn't want to tell him. I didn't tell him what I had done. My ex-girlfriend had, like, said that you know we don't know what could have happened, but this is what was missing from, the, from her garage. It doesn't matter. It's a, it's a very depressing story, but um, it's important to tell because it's like it was very real to me. I was very alone. I, I had always been alone, and I did not understand like how to succeed. You know, I was doing the what I felt was the best I could, mm -hmm. and I just kept being like pushed away by people, uh, family or friends, and and it's not fair to my family. They were very good people, um, and my dad has grown so much with me uh, as I've as I've grown from this. Um, and we both understand that religion, the point of religion, if, whether you believe in it or not, the point is to, to give love and consideration to one another. And that's something that the church oftentimes loses and becomes more about the rules. And, um, and I don't know, I'm sure that was compounded by the, you know, every man wants his son to go to the same field he did. And maybe that was part of it too. But anyway, um, as a result of that, I, my cousin called me out here in California, and she's like, you should move here and just get away from the family, like kind of um, just get some peace in your life. And a little bit of breathing space, so to speak. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so I came here, and um, and that's when things began to change. But th this is where I don't want to talk anymore about uh, my life necessarily, but more about what I've learned uh, as a result of it. So... Um, mental distress, which is something I think that maybe I hope someone will appreciate, but it, it, it's those main things of depression um, or, or a failure or lack of fulfillment, um, your testimony or what other people think, uh, lying, um, which usually comes after addiction. Mm -hmm. Drunks usually develop a propensity for this. Um, and when you And when you lie... What you're doing to, in my mind, like it starts at a young age, you know. You want a piece of candy, and you say, "I haven't had any today," but you know you have, you know. Yeah. But the thing is, is that I think your subconscious knows this is not okay, and it tries to fight you. But you do it enough that it becomes normal, and you slowly lose that feeling of uh, that subconscious. And I think that's that's extremely important because I feel like that. Um, starts to mute a voice that can help you in more areas than just what's right and wrong. Um, so these are, this is one of the main problems. A second big problem I find that with uh, or with um, today's world is, is the, a depreciation. Um, and I think that comes as a result of like greed or part of that testimony. Um, basically accepting a lower quality um, for cost savings or for more money. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, working as a mechanic, I get to see this on a daily basis. I get to see the physical world, you know. Um, like, for instance, if you go buy jeans, you know, you buy some diesel high-quality denim, it wears well and it begins to age and continue to look good. But if you buy something cheap and easily torn, easily damaged beyond you know, repair. Um, but also with like sanding discs, for instance, if you go to Lowe's or Home Depot, the, all the discs there, they, they fail so quickly. But if you go to like McMaster car, which is like a, a, a metal worker or a car 
uh, specialty place, you get these discs that will outperform these other discs by like five or ten times. It's mm-hmm. insane how much longer they last. They only cost three or four dollars more, but as a result of it's not a decision. It, this was not someone saying, hey, we're going to rip people off. I think it was everyone choosing to buy the cheaper quality in mass, and eventually the market adapts and becomes, okay, well, Lowe's, we're only going to sell these because no one buys the expensive ones. They sit on the shelf. But unfortunately, that's happened everywhere. You know, yeah. uh, It's happened in, in the way that we build our buildings. It's happened um, with the way that we get business. You know, Liquor companies have promo gear, which is like, Cheap sunglasses, cheap flip-flops, a pin of Patron. Or, and I, I've worked with these companies doing these events, and it's literally trash. We're, like, making trash, which comes in plastic trash bags and cardboard trash boxes that we give out to people for free. And the sad thing is the people take it. Like, oh, I, I really need I this. Need, I want it. No, I need more than one. Uh, yeah. I need at least 17. My cousins and my friends. And, and then you see the same person just drop it on the floor 10 minutes later when the next thing – and literally not care. Yeah. This is – I don't understand this, but this is something that I think has kind of infiltrated our society. And maybe it's a result of putting, you know, a capitalistic society where we say we're going to reward you with things and money. You know, we're kind of like evolving that subconscious to react to those things, that mm-hmm. same subconscious that we put down by lying, you know. Um, and one thing I think in the automotive industry, which is really scary, is the cars that are being produced are the same way. You know, dealers at some point realized, hey, our customers lease them or they buy them and then the warranty expires. And then if you buy it after that, we don't make anything off of this. So it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, and unfortunately, nothing lasts. The car is not a 70 Corvette, a 70 Corvette or a 70 Charger could still run today with minor maintenance and anyone could fix it. Yeah. But believe me, a 2010 Altima is not going to be running in 30 years. Or your your favorite car, the PT Cruiser. Oh my gosh, no, it won't run. I mean, it wouldn't run. That barely runs in five years. But um, and this is something that we don't talk about either. We're also concerned with the with the pollution of driving. But I mean, last year we made seven or 2017, excuse me, we made 75 million cars produced, mm-hmm. and at an average length of 14 feet long. It's actually 14.9, but. Uh, that would stretch around the earth eight times head to tail. And that means there's 300 million tires just for those cars, not including all the other tires. I mean, the emissions produced on building um, a car, sometimes it exceeds what the car does in its life. And that to me is insane. I mean, it takes basically 35 tons of carbon emissions for, to produce a Land Rover. And the average car produces about five tons a year of emissions. So six years, if a Range Rover made it six years, which I don't know if you know much about Range Rovers, the new ones are... They're fantastic. We love them here I on the podcast. I don't know if the, the new ones make it that far. I mean, the thing is, is the manufacturers really can't be blamed. This is us. We chose this. We chose we need to have the newest feature. The, we have to look cool. We have to have the new thing. Mm-hmm. Um... But we've got to change that. And we've all been warned. The thing is, like, Dr. Seuss wrote the Lorax. How many, like, we were kids, and we saw them just, like, chopping and going through and, like, whatever. we got to have it, got to have it. And I think it's in our subconscious that we just choose to ignore it. Um, 
And it's really sad. I mean, we don't go to the same small business to buy all of our stuff. We go to Ralph's because they have a deal on tequila. We go to Vaughn's because they have a deal on cherries. And we get the best deal. And the, those deals originally were made to attract a customer to stay at your store. But instead, we were like, no, money, money, cheap, cheap. That means every product becomes cheaper and cheaper, you mm -hmm. know? Um, it really bothers me. I think as far as the cars go, I think... Uh, I would really love to see an auto manufacturer come out and build a car with a distributor, no electronics in it, but with the modern efficiencies of lightweight, solid design, and give a 10-year, 250,000-mile warranty on it because they could do it, you know? And it could be done at a 30-mile-per-gallon car that would last forever and and would stop this production. Um, like the, the Bentley Continental... You know, the, uh, most of them that I see are W12 motors. These massive, massive twin turbo it's a big motors. Engine, yeah. But they're so slow mm -hmm. and cumbersome, and they don't even sound good because they're so muffled by the tin mufflers that have to have to keep it quiet. Like, what's the point in that? Why not put a V8 in it? It's just to be like, hey, look what I have. This testimony, this mental dis distress that needs to be addressed. So I don't want to be like just all negative. There's got to be a solution to it. And so um, I think the solution starts with our mindset. And I think that we're trainable and, and, and ever-evolving. Um, I think that we evolve over a longer period. That's why maybe you see children who don't know their father but still have traits that their father or character or little flip, like facial tics or behaviors that are directly inherited mm -hmm. you know but we have to um like an athlete or a driver we have to we have to practice and become aware of these issues and and practice and train in the proper things but the first step to that is recognizing that we have an issue right um which is extremely difficult because we've our whole life been there going oh no this is okay just is, it's just, fine it's just yeah. fine just keep we'll it down on. yeah yeah uh, and so how do we do that? I mean, that's hard. Like, how do you become self-aware? Because people told me all the time, like, you should stop drinking. And I thought, no, it's not the drinking. It's the, I got in trouble because this other guy, it was his thing. I just happened to be involved. Well, maybe there was a little bit of truth to it, but really I shouldn't have been that drunk and out of my mind, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, so the way that we have to do it is I think we have to communicate. I think we have to tell other people in our lives that we see these things, we have to be direct and not be so worried about our testimony and what they think of us, but just say, hey man, I care about you. Well, explain to me why you do this. Is there a reason that you do this? Because maybe it's not that most healthy. Mm -hmm. uh, and we have to look to people that we respect and ask for advice for ourselves. What am I doing on a daily basis that you think is a weak point for me? What should I be improving? And that's a hard thing to do, but but why? Why is it hard? I, I was working on a Porsche 911 today, and it was a Target SS6 2017. Love that car. Um, when I went to the dealer, to the Porsche dealer, they sold me uh, two rotors. One had an interior coating on the inside, and one didn't. And the, the part that was coated was from 2017, and the part that wasn't was 2019. And the ones that came off the car were not coated on the inside. So I just wanted them to match because mm -hmm. I just had that, that – that little subconscious, that feeling, the itch, that something's not right here. Let's maybe not just throw them on. Yeah. And Think so, about it a little bit first. Yeah. So I go to the dealer and explain this, and the guy's like, oh. it's the same thing. It's the same design, same part number, basically. It's just an older one. And 
Like, bro, I'm, I'm not angry with you. I'm not saying, hey, you've cost me, you know, you've cost me a lot of time, a whole nother and gas. And I just said, hey, man, can I swap them out? And you're jumping to this defense of, like, protecting my testimony, what people think of me. And I, re- I mean, why? I just don't understand it. It's got to be trained. Mm-hmm. Um, so with the communication, um, I think we have to be able to listen to criticism um, and breathe, you know, and analyze it. Because a lot of people are going to have, like, you know, superiority complexes that want to put you down. But you can recognize that. You can analyze it and say, hey, this isn't necessarily true. But if you hear something and you get fired up about it, maybe that's a true thing. Because mm-hmm. we naturally tend to get really defensive of things that we're self-conscious of. Yeah. Um, And if you see someone in your life constantly giving you advice that seems to be spot on, maybe you should like listen to them more. And if you see someone giving you advice that's not and it's out of line, then maybe you should start separating yourself from them. I mean, we are a product of, or guilty by association, I should say, you know. Um, all right. And so now, after we've after we've maybe recognized these things, um, what do we do? Well, we've got to begin to develop new habits, and one of the ways to do that is to choose like habits that maybe are good for us. Mm-hmm. Benjamin Franklin, when he was 20 years old, he set about to um, amend some virtues that he had picked up along the way. They're, they were written in, um, I think, Proverbs by Job, but then also I think it was Socrates in the Greek culture tried another form of them. And he analyzed them and chose 13 virtues um, that he put in an order that if he learned them in order, possibly some of the early ones would help with the, with the later ones. And so this is something I think that we, I think is an amazing thing. I've put it at the beginning of my journal, and I, I try to read one every day. Um, and I, I won't go through them, but you should look at them. There's 13 virtues, the, and they are things like temperance, eat not to dullness, drink not to elevation. Um, if you're eating so much that it's boring, it's no longer tastes good, it's, it's just because you're gluttonous, it's, it's not good for you. If you're drinking to be drunk, that's not... It's not ideal. It's not ideal. You need moderation. Yeah. Um, but these virtues, uh, if you were to study them regularly, read them daily, or one a day for a week, and then move to the next, it starts to set this trigger in your mind so that you become aware of them. And you, and when you're about to do something, you don't have to make that decision, am I going to do right or wrong? It comes straight to mind. You know you shouldn't be doing this. One of the things that was like a really strong one for me as a guy, and it it was chastity. Rarely use venery but for health or offspring. So venery is the practice of sexual intercourse. Um, never to dullness, never to weakness, or the injury of your own or others, um, peace or reputation. So that one was hard for me. I mean, I'm a guy, and it's like I had to learn to like not focus on this. Uh, don't do this if it's... If it's going to be uncomfortable in the office because you work with this person, what are you doing? We've all made that mistake, I think, at some point. But mm-hmm. when the if you if you read this virtue daily, when that opportunity comes up and you're a little buzz and you're out with somebody that maybe is interested in you and you're not doing anything wrong necessarily, but is it going to cause discomfort that could cause turmoil down the road? Um, so doing that on a daily basis is really good, uh, I think. And... Uh, Let's see, and then um, ha, 
habits. So that, by those virtues, I think that will produce good habits. Yeah. But we need to look at what we're doing. Are we looking for validation? Because I think that's very common. I worked in nightlifes and I saw a lot of very beautiful women look for validation. You know, they would use their peripheral and they'd see the hot guy that came into the room and then they would start to peacock and show their their colors and flick their hair and walk by them and wait until that person validated them. But oftentimes they didn't want that guy. They just wanted to know that they could have him and then move on. Um, and, and that's 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 uh, worried about what other people think of you again. But this is a this is a habit that we need to we all need to break. I think or not we all. I think a lot of people need to break um, ways of thinking. Like are you are you thinking? In in the face of difficulty, are you thinking oh, this is not possible? I'm going to give up. Are you are you thinking this? I can do this. You know, this I can overcome this negativity. Because I mean, that's the biggest thing about being a mechanic is mm-hmm. when you get into a job. Sometimes there's moments where you're just like, this is I'm not going to be. I don't have the right specialty tool. I'm not. I don't have the knowledge. I, I don't know what's going on here. But I find that if you put in your mind that you're going to stick with it. I mean, there's, I've not found a car that I couldn't figure out yet, you know? Yeah. Uh, and then daily activities this is another thing of our habits. Like, what, there's some, like with, the, with the moderation, one of those virtues, like, are there things that you do every single day that are not building you up, you know? Um, like, for instance, are you watching TV every single day? Because if you are, are you enjoying it anymore like you were when you watched it rarely? If you smoke marijuana a lot of people do now it's legal but if you smoke every day at some point it stops being that giddy goofy stupid feel good high and it becomes what you have to do to be normal and and that doesn't just work with drugs a lot of people think well I don't have a problem with addiction because I don't do drugs or alcohol I just buy things on Amazon every day and put myself into debt or watch every single television program that comes out until there's literally nothing else and I'm just sitting here flipping through like oh maybe this new Amazon program is going to be good mm. First episode is weak. Maybe the second one will be better. It was the pilot. Mm, we're just tapping that vein, trying to find that same high, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So, with these habits, I think the best way to to develop good ones is by using those virtues and training ourselves to realign that soul or that subconscious with our mind, that what we've put down. Um. By aligning our mind with our soul, we become aware of our own faults and the dangers around us. And the way that I think that we should do it is by these daily sessions. I talked about earlier about reading a virtue, but not only with reading, but, and this is going to be controversial, a lot of people don't believe in religion, but a prayer and meditation. Um, I think the reason it's worked so well for some Christians is because it has a scientific value. Um, I mean, we, we are energy and information you know our dna is the information and our molecules are literally broken down to the energy to enforce it and again einstein understood this his e equals mc squared is one of the most commonly quoted but a lot of people don't really understand it and it's actually written m equals e divided by c squared because he wanted us to understand our mass is energy it is directly proportional to the energy that we are and so um, I think if we can align, like his laws of attraction, if we can align our mind and our energy with what we want, then, I mean, he even said imagination is everything. It's the preview of life's coming attraction. 
And so I think the best way to do that is to do it through vocalizing these things that we need, things that we want, the things that we feel, getting them to align. Uh, so my goals with a prayer or just speaking out loud, you have to vocalize it. You have to name things by name. So if you don't want to say religion, then just this is a part of a meditation. Then, But you have to remove negative energy. You have to open up that communication with that subconscious that, you've, that you may have put down for years by lying or covering up or pushing away. So you need to acknowledge your faults. Acknowledge, I did something wrong. And I had someone tell me once, well, I'm like, I don't do anything wrong. And I was like, that's, the, that's exactly the problem. You don't, you've pushed it down so long you don't understand. Mm -hmm. That person cut you off and you flipped them off and tried to race around them. You've, you gave energy and you gave up some of your life and stress to someone that really doesn't matter and should, you'll never see again should have no power over you that was wrong that was a waste yeah um, and becoming aware that by these virtues will help to pull those up and then you can say this is what I did today I flipped the sky off what can I learn from this I should learn that I wasted energy and time and I could have got a ticket or hurt somebody else so what am I going to do next time well I pray that I remember this moment and I and I stop myself from doing that and that I instead take deep breaths and can, like a driver you watch a good driver their breaths are so settled and slow mm -hmm. but you watch a driver who's new on these rigs when they're doing the VR that we do here and they're <laughs> trying to force it you yeah. know literally starving your body of the oxygen that creates the energy for your muscles and your brain to react mm -hmm. um, and that's part of what meditation comes with but um the second thing you do with prayer is to clear your mind and allow yourself to be positive. So after you've done that, maybe you're in a negative state. It's kind of hard to admit all your faults. So then I always go to what I'm thankful for. I'm thankful for my job and where I am, that I'm alive, mm -hmm. that I have my dog here. And, I, and, it and it genuinely puts me into a positive, happy state. I have no guilt anymore. I'm positive and I'm happy. And the last thing I do is I ask for, like, these are the things I need. I need guidance on where to go with my business. I need guidance on how to deal with my customers. I, I need guidance to not fall for things that I think are great opportunities and have the wisdom to know this is false. Um, and after I've done those three things, um, then I go to a meditation. And that, with that clear, guilt-free, positive mind, I try to take slow breaths um, just the way that the monks deal with the cold or, like I say, a race driver um, deals with, you know, or even a pilot controls their breath. Um, and, uh, and this listening also allows the universe to send information back to you. If you had a child that constantly came to you and just said all their problems and what they needed and then stormed off before you answered... You'd be like, you're a fool. You're not going to learn anything this Those way. Those problems aren't going anywhere anytime, sir. And I think one of the things that, like the Bible, which I'm not trying to again force any religion on anyone, but there's some wisdom there. And the the verse that I think that the a lot of religions ignore is they they quote it a lot. Be still and know that I am God. But they don't. I don't think understand that that means literally shut up and listen. <laughs> Meditate. Be mm -hmm. still. Don't worry about it. It's doing nothing but causing you stress. Just know that I'm going to take care of it. But you need to be still with your mind, and just the way you would with your phone. You know, turn it off. Give it a break. Let what your subconscious is trying to tell you that you're pushing down come up. 
you know? Um, and I know that, like, this is going to be hard for a lot of people to, to, to listen to and be like, no, Mikey, you're not some psychologist, and I'm not. None of this is, is like... But you are a genuinely nice guy. I'm a, I'm a person, though, more importantly, that has failed and run into conflict over and over, and all I can do is do see what I'm seeing and what works and what has helped me and what's changed my life. And I think if we did this, I think um, that we would begin to change our value. We would stop being so so disposable with our energy and our time and our friendships and our cars, and we might begin to you know to change and grow as a as a more cohesive society. It's not all about me, but more understanding of of peace and what real happiness is. And and with that, I mean I, that's how I've gotten back to a positive state. You know, like literally, this is my old journal, and I pulled it out just because it was my first journal, and it was November eighth, two thousand twelve. And I remember, I wrote in here, I said, um, I, "Today I've decided, or I've realized, I am good." And I had never had that feeling before. I'll never forget it. I was riding in my car, and I remember like the people in my life that valued me and told me, uh, "Look, we care about you, but bro, you're always so negative." Like. No one wants to help you with this. There were few people like that, but those people changed my life, and those people are the people I stuck with. Mm -hmm. But I began to see them care about me and reach out no matter what I did, and I realized there's something in me that they see that, that is like what I see in them. They want to be around me. I'm a good person. Um, I'm capable of good. Um, and again, like this isn't for everybody. Most, Hopefully most people have it together, but I know like... I go to AutoZone Nation, it seems like. It seems like everywhere I go, people know way less th than they should. They act like they're the professionals on it, and they don't want to accept any returns. They don't want to accept any failure or go-backs. And, man, I just really hope that as a nation we find something um, to stop, I don't know, stop chasing and start focusing on being a content, happy, centered person, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's a very personal experience you've shared with us, uh, Micah, and I, mean, I really appreciate it. Well, I, I hope so. I mean, I, I hope it doesn't come off the wrong way. I, again, I don't know. Um, I'm not a psychologist, but I just, I know it's worked You're for me. You're a thoughtful man, is what a, you are. You're very thoughtful. As a scientific process, mm -hmm. you know. No one applies a scientific process to religion. So many people go, oh, I got older and I found science and I just knew that there was no God. I'm like... Okay, but did you apply a scientific process, like a cause and effect? Did you try to meditate and pray daily and, and, then, uh, and then observe the effects and saw no change? So you quit because I would argue that whether it's a god or not, there's an energy. We are energy. Setting that energy the right way is, is what's going to be the secret to pure success and happiness, you know? Yeah. And I guess, have you got any, any thoughts or readings or suggestions of places people can go to find out more information, aside from talking to you? Um, I mean, again, go to, the, um, go to look up the virtues and please read the, these over one time just to see what you think and see if these are attributes that you respect in other people and would like to embody. And then just look up meditation techniques, deep breathing. Like I think there's a video of Jerry Seinfeld who talks about his meditation that he did throughout Seinfeld and how uh, it changed his life. And it's the only way he could produce such a, a huge star in, write, and 
produce. Yeah, he wore a lot of hats. Yeah, exactly. So anything that can help reduce that stress and make exactly. it more positive. I mean, there's a video where he's, I think he had like a five-minute spot at some comedy store and someone asked him about um, a certain type of meditation and uh, he goes on this like 10-minute rant of like, bro, if you're not doing this, this is like you're missing out on your life. You're You're living a reactive life instead of a purposeful life. Um, and I, I think if they, I mean, if they want to reach out to me, I'm happy to share. But I've just shared the, my process, and I think if you just try this, it, it's insane. The, the coincidences you see in your life, the little crazy things, they'll start multiplying, and mm -hmm. you'll be much more aware and and make fewer mistakes. I believe, you know. As far as depression goes, if there's people out there suffering from the same type of depression that I did, just know that like no matter how much you failed, you can come back. I, I literally was. Um, at one point, when I when I was working for Lamborghini, I had I thought I'd come to like the top of my my game. I was working for my dream manufacturer, but I just wasn't making any money because I was the new tech working on a commission basis. It was just so hard. I lost my apartment. I was sleeping in my car. I I literally got accused of breaking a garage door at work because I came in on my day off to take a shower at the shower at that Lamborghini shop, and someone had broken a door, and they just were like, we don't even know what. You, why were you here. What are you doing? It was shady. I felt so guilty, but I – for – being too arrogant to ask for help like hey man I, I, I've lost my place I'm sleeping in my car mm -hmm. and as a result of that it ended up putting me into a negative light and I took I made some bad decisions and I got fired from Lamborghini and how do you react respond to, how do you recover from like you just had the best job and now you've lost it on, and you're on bad terms Not I'm not on bad terms with the dealership thankfully I've repaired that relationship but I have at that time I was on bad terms and I have no job, nowhere to live either. It's like, how do you recover from that? Um, and worrying about it and being more depressed and drinking definitely is not the answer. Yeah. But taking deep breaths and meditating and, and praying is what got me through it and, and got me to see like a way to re to respond the right way. And I think if you're if you're that depressed and that negative and you feel like no one cares, maybe no one does care around you, but you've put yourself around those people. Mm -hmm. Find the people that are good and the people you respect and go after them. You want to be a, an amazing mechanic? Go to where the best mechanics are working and be there every day. Be there, be quiet, be helpful, and be positive. And eventually, you're going to be one of those technicians working there. But if you're, if the only way to do that is again to be, is to to be positive and peaceful. And how do you do that when everything's falling around you? You know, I, I really think it's the deep breaths and clearing your mind, aligning your mind with that with that soul and and then setting those habits on a daily, consistent basis. Well, I think that's very, very good advice. Like, I very much appreciate you taking the time to tell us through your journey and to some of the, obviously, the struggles that you've had, and it's not always been peaches and cream oh, all dude. the way. Yeah, definitely. And uh, thank you for letting me come back on again. It was extremely important to me because, again, I can't, I can't have an opportunity to share these things and then go and say, oh, yeah, I went from being an engineer to doing Lamborghini, and now I'm doing great stuff with race cars. Because that, that's not the path that, that I went down. And no, there, was a few, out there, there was a few bumps along the way. And hopefully oh, someone can hear, learn something from this, which yeah. I'm sure they will. I'm sure it'll be more than one person. I, hope so. I know I've taken a lot from this. So, no, I very much appreciate that. And, again, thank you out there, everyone, for listening. You can always find me at No Breaking for more stuff. And you can find The Hollywood Mechanic on Instagram. He'll answer all your questions. Follow him, all his adventures. Follow Dom. Fantastic. But uh, guys, thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.